Hi, wherever you're listening to me, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakli and this is today's Tech Briefing. In this program... You know, internally we kind of think of Razorpay as an index of the digital world, right? Uh, because we get to see so many uh, ups and downs and flows of the digital economy. That's after these headlines. Facebook, which sees India as a vital market, is also a platform used for spreading hate and misinformation in the country, Bloomberg reports, citing a 46-page research note that is part of the documents released by Francis Haugen, the former Facebook product manager who turned whistleblower. The report, an Indian test user's descent into a sea of polarizing nationalist messages, shows how little control Facebook has in one of its most important markets, where it has also invested close to $6 billion into a partnership with Reliance Industries, the country's biggest conglomerate, according to the Bloomberg report, which is behind a paywall but was also carried by Economic Times. Meanwhile, Haugen gives evidence today to the UK Parliament's Joint Committee on Britain's Draft Online Safety Bill. This follows her testimony to the US Congress on October 5th. It will be the first public evidence she has given in Europe regarding her experiences at the company and her ideas to regulate social media, the UK Parliament said in a press statement. Facebook, which is expected to announce a new name for itself later this week, also reports its latest quarterly results today. Grow, an online investment platform provider in Bangalore, has raised $251 million in its Series E round of venture capital funding, tripling its value to $3 billion, TechCrunch reports. The investment was led by Iconic Growth, joined by Alcune, Lone Pine Capital and Steadfast, as well as existing investors Sequoia Capital India, Ribbit Capital, YC Continuity, Tiger Global and Propel Venture Partners. Grow was founded in 2016 by four former Flipkart employees. It has now raised more than $390 million and was valued at $1 billion in April this year, according to TechCrunch. Clear which makes the popular tax filing platform ClearTax for consumers, has raised $75 million in Series C funding, led by Cora Capital, Stripe, Alua Capital, Think Investments and existing investors. The funds will be used to accelerate Clear's expansion into lending and payments for business customers and into international markets. Clear's cloud platform grew five-fold in the last 18 months, adding more than 3,000 large enterprise customers. It also saw a surge in usage with over 1 million small businesses on the platform, which now processes more than 10% of India's business invoices with a GMV of $400 billion, according to the company. Clear recently acquired Y Bank to expand into B2B payments. When Shashank Kumar and Harshil Mathur teamed up to start Razorpay, most folks asked them why they were starting another payments gateway and the duo had little knowledge of the financial sector in India, he recalls. Today, the Bangalore company has become one of India's best-known fintech successes and a rapidly expanding platform for digital banking, lending, insurance, payroll management and a growing list of other financial services for a large number of customers. I caught up with Shashank for a quick update and he spoke about topics including RBI's new rules on payments and how Razorpay attracts and retains talented people. Here's more from our conversation. Shashank, welcome to this podcast. Thank you for making time for this. 
Razorpay has come a fairly long way, uh, even though, of course, you say that, you know, it's still very much the beginning of things. Uh, you started out with payments, but already you are now a uh, financial services provider. Your, your platforms are already facilitating lending, insurance, uh, in new banking, as you mentioned. Uh, so uh, tell us about some of the uh, important innovations on your different products and platforms in uh, recent times. Hey, thanks, Charit. Thanks a lot for the invite. And yeah, excited to be here. You know, internally, we kind of think of Razorpay as an index of the digital world, right? Uh, because we get to see so many uh, ups and downs and flows of the digital economy. Company has been focused building on the infrastructure part very heavily, right? So uh, the payments environment today compared to the 2015, there is a day and night difference. And you know, all the all the stakeholders in the ecosystem play a huge role. Uh, be it the regulator, the the networks that are there, the banks that are there, and of course the fintech startups. And uh, as time passed on, right, we have innovated a lot on payment applications. So there is the core infrastructure layer, which is extremely important and needs to be robust for a country. But then we innovated a lot on the payment applications that we built on top of that infrastructure, uh, like payment links, payment pages, invoicing, subscription management, and all of these have seen great uptake, right? In fact. Uh, recently, you know, we, we had launched a product called Mandate HQ to ease the transition of recurring payments uh, to the new regulations that RBI had brought in, right? Which is a lot more customer friendly, but impacts many recurring businesses in the short term, right? So you'll see that in the next one to two years, there'll be an explosion of subscription-based, uh, you know, businesses, subscription-based products in the country and that will be a new thing for India, right? Like we'll, uh, we've traditionally very much been like a one-time payment kind of thing. Like, you know, you buy a product, you pay one time and that's it. Now, slowly that cha that's changing with, you know, with the OTT platforms like Netflix and Amazon Prime, but with the new regulation in place and with the kind of products that we are providing to banks and to businesses, uh, I expect like it's almost like a you know, five to 10x increase in subscription payment volumes and also a lot more innovation to come through in the ecosystem. Then uh, beyond this, then, you know, uh, we have innovated a lot on the financial services part, uh, on the new banking front, on the payroll front, and we get a lot of love from the ecosystem on, on our new banking product and payroll product uh, to the extent that, you know, uh, people call out on social media that, you know, this product literally saves them six to 10 hours uh, you know, every month, uh, and you know, and for a founder to get that much time back, I think is is pretty amazing. And more recently, on the payments front, uh, you know, there's another big regulation that is coming through on 31st September, which is uh, by RBI, which is that you know, no entity in the payments eco, uh, no entity, you know, in the in the uh, merchant ecosystem will be allowed to save cards other than the networks and the banks themselves. So, so today, you know, a lot of businesses save cards on their end for providing convenience to consumers, right? So that, you know, when you come back to the, to the website, to the uh, app, you don't need to enter your card details again. You will just, you know, you your card details are saved and you can just enter the CVV and the OTP and that's it. You'll breeze through the checkout process, right? Now, now due to, you know, a lot of security issues and, and uh, other Incidences that happen, I think uh, RBA took a step back and sort of came up with the uh, regulation that, you know, uh, 
nobody should be saving the raw card data in the ecosystem. Only the networks and the issuing banks should. And instead, uh, you know, everyone should be saving the tokenized information. And this tokenized card information is basically just a, a, a you know a random substitute for the actual card number, uh, which is not so much usable other than for the intended merchant, right? So, so that's a big change. And we have developed a product called Token HQ that kind of helps businesses manage that transition uh, as as the regulation becomes applicable. I think it's an important one, uh, not just to comply with the guidelines, but also to ensure that you know the customers in the end are not inconvenienced uh, due to this due to this change. Uh, help us understand what the RBI's rationale is and uh, uh, how some of the innovations like Token HQ can kind of Reduce the friction uh, over here. So, uh, if 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 you look at the overall Indian ecosystem, right? First of all, uh, recurring payments were always in the gray zone, right? So, uh, it was not clear, like you know, whether you should do it or not do it. So, some banks supported it, some banks didn't, and usually it was present on credit cards, but not on debit cards. And but overall, recurring payments volumes, uh, you know, is kind of less than one percent of the cards ecosystem, right? It, it was, it's not a large figure and, you know, it's mostly limited to tier one consumers who sort of, uh, who sort of use it, right? Now, with this change, what RBI has done is that, uh, you know, all the banks are supposed to provide a, a portal to the consumers where the consumers can see all the subscription options that they have opted into, all the subscription, you know, uh, plans that they have opted into. And they can cancel those plans from one place instead of instead of going through, uh, running through the merchant website or figuring out like how to cancel a subscription. And see, this bit is really important, you know, because in India, you have a lot of consumers which are transacting online for the very first time, right? The digital literacy is still not very high and the trust on online payments also is something that's slowly uh, building up. So you don't want to rock that boat, right? You don't want to, uh, you know, uh, 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 break that trust, right? And you want to take measures to improve that trust. I'll give you an anecdote. For example, in US, there's a uh, there's a media company, right? Where you know, obviously, you can subscribe to their, uh, you know, to their online articles uh, in, in one click by just putting your card information. But to unsubscribe, you have to write a postal letter, a snail mail. To their headquarters to to unsubscribe from their uh, you know product, and which is which is a very bad experience, right? So so in India, like you know, consumers were not uh, you know fully understanding of recurring payments, right? I mean, if, if RBI wants to ensure that we avoid avoid their inconveniences, we avoid uh, you know breaking trust with them, right? And that is why uh, brought in the, a, a very good regulation to you know help them out see all the subscriptions that they subscribe to. And at the same time, it makes all the 900 million debit cards in the country eligible for subscription payments along with all the credit cards. So there's an absolutely great regulatory clarity on this front that's now present in the ecosystem. But what has happened in, in the process where, you know, uh, the deadline at which RBI wanted to make this switch happen, where all the recurring payments you know, if it is not explicitly allowed, it'll start failing, right? And the banks need to be ready to support that infrastructure. I think, uh, you know, the ecosystem 
overall the banks and merchants and everyone together uh, was still not ready by that deadline to shift uh, to a new uh, way of working to comply with the guidelines. And I think that is causing a lot of short-term pain to entrepreneurs, to, to businesses who are completely dependent on recurring payments. And that's, uh, you know, that's what you're seeing a lot of noise uh, on social media about. Uh, so, so I think, you know, uh, obviously, you can always think of better ways to do it in hindsight. Uh, but I think I kind of think like, you know, from six month to 12 month perspective, this is a very positive change. And uh, whatever pain it is, it will be short lived. Right. And we have developed a product for, you know, for banks and businesses to make this change management pretty easy. Right. So we are, we are working with, you know, a dozen banks. Uh, to help them comply with the guidelines and to give that portal to their consumers where they can track all the subscription payments that they, uh, that they are doing and give them reminders about the upcoming payments so that they are aware they are not caught off guard and they can prevent a future payment from happening if they think that's not something that uh, that they want, right? And at the same time, we are providing support to merchants that, uh, you know, uh, uh, if anyone wants to cancel their subscription, there's a very simple way uh, for us to give that information to the merchant and there to, to handle it uh, at their end, right? So, so yeah, so th that's the whole gist. That's the whole story. Uh, at the uh, you know, we have been pioneers in subscriptions since log time. Right? We have been investing in subscription payments since two three years, uh, and you know, uh, recently we have launched support for UPI uh, subscription as well. Uh, you know. Uh, Almost like a almost like a year back, and that is also picking up nicely. So overall, I, I think in six to twelve months there'll be very good, uh, very good momentum around subscription payments in the country with cards, UPI, uh, you know, Nash, everything being supporting, uh, you know, recurring payments, and we'll see a lot more innovation happening in the ecosystem. And I think this is a great opportunity for entrepreneurs, uh, new, new and incumbents, uh, to build subscription pro first products for the market and and take the lead. If you were to uh, compare uh, raise the pay, and I'm not sure uh, that what I'm saying is the uh, right comparison, is just something that I was thinking about. Uh, if you were to compare raise the pay with, uh, say, like a like a stripe, what are some of the uh, ways in which raise the pay may actually be ahead, and uh, what are some of the things that you feel you you could bring in as uh, solutions in the Indian market as well that you know stripe has been doing in the US. Or so I'm telling you what. The payments infrastructure in India, right, is is way ahead of what exists in uh, in the developed countries, right? And uh, it's not something that you know I can say that hey, Razorpay is the only one responsible for it, right? Because I think uh, payments is very much a, a you know a partnership game, right? I think everyone, every every player in that chain needs to do its job properly, right? But I think Razorpay has played a significant part in you know, in making that payments infrastructure robust, accessible, and easy to use, right? I think in that sense, and not just, you know, easy to use, but also give a lot of choice to the businesses and to consumers in the ways they want to make payments or accept payments and not just, you know, not just skew it or concentrate it towards just one payment instrument on network. Let's say like, you know, hey, just card or a wallet or just UPI. So I think India is, you know, like, in terms of that payment infrastructure and also the mix of uh, ways we have to make payments on, you know, digitally uh, present, right? 
Uh, I think the second thing I would say more from a reasonable perspective is that uh, we are, you know, we have done a lot of work on the uh, business finance side, on the neo banking side, right? Uh, both in terms of giving a great uh, banking experience to businesses. And that's something that I think is unique about Razorpay in the sense that, you know, we are trying to do it on payments as well as on the banking side, while most companies only attempt to do it on in, in one area. Okay? But we see that in India, there is an opportunity to build a smarter bank account that is driven uh, by software, that is driven by intelligence, instead of just being a dumb system, right? And we can work with you know, various banking partners to, uh, you know, to bring in that financial infrastructure and we can put our own magic on top uh, to make it happen, right? And that's another area where I think like, you know, uh, from an overall perspective, where I think, uh, uh, you know, we're sort of ahead for the curve uh, there, right? Uh, what we can, you know, what we can learn from uh, US, I think there are various things, right? One, I would say is on the, on the commercialization aspect, in the you know the developed countries are definitely ahead uh, of the curve in you know compared to India when it comes to you know how to monetize well right uh, and 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 drive and you know give that value add to businesses but also uh, you know uh, let the market take its own free way to find that equilibrium of of you know uh, cost and and sales price right and at the same time let the competition flourish in a good way, right? So that's, I think, definitely, uh, you know, one piece where, uh, you know, long-term, I think, uh, India can do uh, much better, right? Because, you know, the banks have to invest a lot in their payments infrastructure, right? And if they can't make money on that, then I think it's going to hurt the whole ecosystem uh, and some, somewhere hold it back than, than where it can be uh, at its full potential. Mm. Okay, couple of questions uh, more pertaining to your role as uh, CTO. Uh, so, if you step back and look at everything that you've built so far, uh, what do you see are your biggest challenges going forward? Uh, <laughs> a very good question. See, I, I'll tell you one thing. Right? One thing that we are always, uh, you know, always at the back of the mind is to see how uh, regulations are changing. Because that has an oversized impact on our business. Uh, soon will become a you know, regulated payments entity uh, as well. We will be directly regulated by RBI. Uh, and, and there are a lot more changes happening in the ecosystem, right? So we have always tried to, you know, be on the right side of the regulations and also support the ecosystem from, you know, from various perspectives to comply with regulations, right? But, but we're always mindful that, you know, uh, someday it might not be the case. And that, can be a huge challenge uh, for the organization, uh, so to speak, right? Uh, yeah, so that's that's the major one. Beyond that, you know, uh, honestly speaking, we are at a stage where you know we have we have done a bunch of good things, but uh, we can't really you know uh, rest to say, hey, like you know, our job is done, right? Like that that feeling of complacency is absolutely something that you know we have to avoid as an organization. Uh, and also, like, be focused on the mission and vision uh, that that we are focusing towards, right? Uh, I think, uh, you know, we have a very genuine mission of supporting entrepreneurs and businesses in the country towards their, their digitization, right? Because, you know, the digitization of millions of businesses will mean a direct improvement in the productivity of the country, right? And and that has 
implications on GDP, on, on employment, and, and various other aspects, right? So uh, whatever execution strategy that we have towards, it needs to be really well, uh, you know, well done, right? Uh, if, if we are not able to match the, you know, the ambition with, you know, with the uh, foot on the ground execution, right? with the head, head strong, strong execution, then obviously like that's going to become a huge problem, right? And that's something that a company has to fight every day and, you know, has to be on top of the game to kind of make it happen. Mm. If you uh, look at uh, talent, uh, of course, Unicorn is, it's both glamorous and uh, also validation of the work that you have put in. Uh, and and more in terms of the core business, you are definitely in a position to offer a very exciting product development environment. So over the years, has it become easier to attract and retain top talent? <laughs> uh, yeah, hiring and hiding talent, talent has always had its challenges, right? As our company grows, the nature of that uh, challenge probably changes, right? Uh, but, you know, we can stick to the fundamentals when it comes to hiring as well as retaining people, right? Uh, and, and that fundamental is simply that, you know, uh, we make the right promises. We give a good experience to people from, from the get-go, right? And uh, we give them an environment where they can work well and they can grow uh, over time if they are performing, right? And that is what is, and, and it's, it's the very basics that work well here, right? Uh, and I think, you know, uh, hiring talent was very difficult back in 2015, 16 as well, uh, you know, and, and it is difficult today also, right? So, so if you're, if you're hiring strategy or, you know, talent retention strategy is just that you're going to pay a lot of money or, you know, uh, uh, you're not going to hire the best talent, then I think it's not going to work out, right? You need to have the right people for the right job with the right motivation levels, right? And you need to have a good way to select those people. And you need to also work on very well on, you know, ensuring that uh, the people coming into the company understand your culture, right? And propagate that culture for that the organization grows. And I think, I think we have been able to create a good operating system uh, for managing this, right? We always believed in being an employee-first company, right? Being doing right by the people that we have in the organization who are, who are you know, uh, giving so much for us to grow, right? And and you would see that in some of the things that we do, right? Like, you know, for example, you know, I, I probably say that, you know, we want to pay a thousand millionaires uh, from Razorpay uh, in our lifetime, right? We want to, uh, you know, and we, we, we are pretty generous with ESOPs. And also, like, you know, we have done like three ESOP buybacks in the ecosystem. Uh, at a time when, you know, ESOP buybacks were pretty rare uh, in nature, right? And usually only done by very large organizations like Flipkart in the past, but we have made it very standard for a growing company, Series B, C, or D company to do those ESOP buybacks, right? And uh, uh, yeah, I think it's it's these things that sort of, you know, help you, uh, uh, you know, focusing on your culture, focusing on your people to hire well and to retain them as well, right? I think for us, like, you know, with scale, the kind of challenges that have come through have changed, but the approach that we have, you know, have remained same and that is what has helped is helping us today also one of the things that i've i've been learning you know uh, interviewing uh, entrepreneurs uh, like you and experts on this podcast as well is as companies uh, 
startups like uh, Razorpay reach a certain scale for the next big phase of growth, there is a dearth of uh, experienced talent uh, in the Indian ecosystem. Uh, how are you uh, tackling this problem? Uh, at some point, will it require Razorpay to also expand into Silicon Valley? I mean, I'm just thinking aloud. Steve, we started Razorpay when we are complete outsiders to the financial industry, right? And uh, uh, you know, nobody expected us to. Uh, and we were pretty late entrants in the market. Right? When we started Razorpay in 2015, now it seems like a long time away, right? But in 2015, there was still an abundance of payment companies and there's still a lot of incumbents. And it was not at all obvious, like, you know, why are you starting another payment gateway, right? Uh, so, uh, uh, and especially when, you know, you have no knowledge on the financial industry, so to speak. Uh, you know, I honestly would say that, you know, uh, our approach to talent is to find people uh, who are the right fit for the job, right? Who have the right attitude, right? Who who are very good first uh, thinkers from first principles, very good uh, uh, thinkers, you know, of organization building, of, you know, of the approach to people, right? And these are things that you can find. It doesn't need to be someone who is like 20 years experience. You can find people who are five years experience or 10 years experience who have that kind of talent, right? Um, and, and you know, it's, it's more a question of whether they can adapt to your culture, right? Because that is usually unique. Like, you know, we have seen our executives come from various different organizations, from, you know, different financial, you know, uh, financial institutions, right? Or otherwise from other, you know, uh, startups uh, that are there, right? I mean, both of them have cert certain challenges when they, you know, when they come to work in an organization like Razorpay, uh, when they're coming, you know, with, the, with our focus on transparency, with our focus on people, uh, with our focus on, you know, uh, on rapid growth, right? You want, you want to take that on people, you know, who can grow, who can scale well, right? Uh, just like you're seeing a lot of entrepreneurs coming in the ecosystem and building amazing companies, uh, you know, in, in the startup world. Similarly, you'll have a lot of people who are, who are intrapreneurs, right? Who want to take an initiative and, and do well on it. Uh, and not worry about like, you know, handling investors and uh, all the other compliance and regulatory work, uh, you know, various various busy work that comes with being a founder, right? Instead, they would want to focus on building a great product, of, you know, take something that is working and take it, uh, you know, to scale further, right? And not worry about all the busy work of founder, right? And, and you'll find various people like that, you know, and you have to invest in them. You have to give them an environment to grow. You can get them mentorship from Silicon Valley or from various other places. Uh, and help them in their upskilling, uh, and and they'll also appreciate the organization very much. Uh, you know, if those things happen, uh, we have around uh, you know one thousand seven hundred plus employees at this point, uh, and uh, our headcount has kind of grown hundred percent year on year. Right? So it's doable. Uh, you know, and it's not something that's just you know you should be looking at Silicon Valley for. Right. So yeah, that's how we are uh, thinking about it. Honestly. Okay, excellent. Uh, Shashank, thank you so much for making time for this. And uh, I definitely hope to keep the conversation going. Thanks a lot, Harry. I uh, really enjoyed talking to you. I've kind of touched upon topics which I haven't touched upon in a long time. But yeah, thanks for asking good questions. That was Shashank Kumar. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Thank you for listening.